Alrighty then. Welcome back to another episode of Dementia in Black and White. I am your host, Mr. Matthew Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. I know you have a lot of choices out there in the podcast world. I appreciate you clicking on this one. Today, we're going to talk about smoking and alcohol when it comes to your loved one with dementia in terms of whether or not you should provide them with that. Sit back, relax. Enjoy this show, Dementia in Black and White. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it. So today I'm going to really spend more time probably talking about what my own experience has been with my mother. But in case you wanted to see just what the Alzheimer's organization says, this was from the UK version of the website. So it's alzheimers.org.uk. And if you just did a search for smoking and alcohol with dementia, I'm sure this blog post will pop up. And the subtitle says, with smoking and alcohol, it's important to balance the person's dementia, dementias, to balance the person's with dementia's right to enjoy a pleasurable activity against the risk it may um, that it may pose. And so that is really something as you are at the intersection of, of, you know, replacing your values and morals with your loved ones. And I can tell you that my mother both smoked regularly and had a little nip every once in a while, not regularly on the drinking, but occasionally she have a glass of wine. And so once I became the shopper for her, the provider for her. And this was we're going on, I don't know, two plus years ago where I took the keys, the car keys from her. And so my thought was not even questioning whether or not I would continue to provide cigarettes for her. She certainly was aware that she's a smoker and she liked to have a nip every once in a while. And she would ask if I, you know, came over and her cigarettes were low. She would let me know she needed cigarettes if she were out, which I tried not to let that happen. Of course, that'd be the first thing out of her mouth. And so as far as I know, she smoked my entire life, 50 years plus on this world. And it was her house at this point. She was still living in her own house. And it was smoky in the house. You would come in and, you know, clothes, your coat, whatever, you come out smelling like you had been in a bar or something because the smoke was there present. I don't know if I mentioned before, but she liked to keep the windows closed and the the drapes drawn. So it was usually dark and not a whole lot of air circulating in the house when I would visit. But it never crossed my mind to not provide cigarettes for her. I just always thought, yes, you should, even though, and and at that time, I'm only recently learning about the connection, that there is a connection in terms of smoking. If you do smoke, it could, you know, be one of those contributing 
negative factors to developing dementia, you know, along with the blood pressure issues or diabetes and 12 or so other risk factors, but smoking and drinking are two of them. And so not knowing that, and I don't even know if it would have made a difference at that point, it was at that intersection of where she had pleasure from it. Who am I to stop someone from pleasure? If that's what they want to do, we all have our habits. Uh, I don't smoke. I don't drink regularly, but you know, I'll have a beer once in a while. You know what I'm saying? But I eat junk food. And probably I'm addicted to sugar. Who knows? I'm an American, so I'm probably addicted to sugar. And if I were somehow incapable of getting to the store to get my snacks and my daughter were taking care of me, I would be highly upset. If because she's some vegan, healthy, non-sugar eating, liberal, progressive, whatever. And then she wanted to just put that on me because, you know, she's in charge of my dietary needs. I'd feel some kind of way about that. So there, there is something there in terms of making that decision and not allowing your values, choices for intake of food or alcohol or smoking to become automatically that for your loved one. So anyway, years go by, I'm buying the wine, buying the cigarettes, and I'm starting to notice that the control over her intake of that is not measured at all. So where normally one of these bottles of wine will last her a month or so, again, she was a teetotaler, she wasn't drinking that much, it would be gone in a week. I drop it off one day, a week later, check in the refrigerator, you know, it's gone. The next time I drag it every couple days or so, it's half gone. Right, so she was losing the ability to recognize when she had it last. And then with the smoking, the same thing happened. There was a time, you know, and, and I think she was probably a pack a day, which is, you know, pretty aggressive for smokers. But there was a time where I brought a case over and like two days later, 10 packs of cigarettes were gone. And it was just the dementia kind of taken over. So I'm thinking, I can't buy her, you know, this many cigarettes at once. So what I then began to do was to not give her all the cigarettes at once. So I kind of rationed them or I would hide them in her garage. And it became a little bit of a game, actually. She uh, would call me to say, hey, I'm out of cigarettes. And so instead of me having to drive all the way over there, I would say, oh, check in the, it was a little credenza type thing she had in the garage. I was like, check in that thing in the garage. There's some cigarettes in there. 
and then you know she find those and then you know next day hey i'm out of cigarettes oh check in the garage over by the door under the blank i would just hide them in different places and you know she would get a little flustered with me about that but it actually got to the point where she was going to those places i mean the brain hadn't gotten that bad yet where she would it was i was i guess training the retraining the brain with these uh, pathways to find the reward if you search long enough for it so you know it's a little bit cat and mouse we were doing there and for me of course gives an opportunity to get up and move around and get into the garage so you know uh, there were some benefits to it and it was still really an opportunity for me to just continue to provide for her but then came the move so that's when she was living by herself. And then there came the time where, you know, I'm thinking the full time care is in order. And I moved her and me to be in a house together. And I got to say, the smoking thing then came front and center. Of course, I'm not a smoker. And, you know, we we're in a place where I can to have the downstairs and she can have the upstairs. So we had that kind of separation. But of course, in the same house where the same air duct air circulation is going through, it had been difficult to keep, you know, a space that would be smoke free for me from her. And I struggled. I struggled with continuing to provide the cigarettes. And so... I slowed them down. Didn't give her cigarettes as much. She still asked. And then I stopped. Stopped the cigarettes. Had a bottle of wine still in the refrigerator, her favorite. But no more cigarettes. And though that memory isn't that great for remembering something that was just said moments ago. She could remember that she was a smoker. And every time I would go out to the grocery store, or even just walking to the garage, she would always say, hey, when you come back, bring me some cigarettes, please. I'm out of cigarettes. And I would just say, yes, yes, no problem. And then I'd come back and she'd say, hey, did you get those cigarettes? And i say, oh, hey, yay, I forgot the cigarettes. That went on for months. And still, every once in a while, she'll ask about cigarettes. At first it was, uh, you know, I left the lighter in her purse so she would be, you know, she goes to her purse now kind of regularly kind of taking things out, putting things in. And she would see the lighter and I think that would trigger the desire, you know, her... uh, memory about yes she's a smoker so I took the lighter anything out that reminded her smoking tried to wash the clothes so the smoke smells were gone and you know fortunately there's still television and movies where people on these shows smoke so there's still some triggers that might you know bring that out but I have to say I think we're on the other side of it it's probably only once a week, if that now, 
where she will ask about the smoking. And it initially was a challenge, just a kind of ethical challenge for me to deal with whether or not I was imposing my views of the world on her. But I believe a good decision because we both have to live here and we both have to compromise. And yes, this was me making a compromise for her, but in the long run, it's one that's a better choice for her health anyway. So for you, if you have that, if you have a smoker or a drinker and you're in that crossroads of whether or not it's about what you want or about making that person happy. It is a tough decision. And it's one that you just have to make mindfully. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Think about the pleasure that they may need. I bought some lollipops a big bag of lollipops. She too has a sweet tooth. I get it honest, I guess. And I heard that when someone stops smoking, if they just have something like that, something in their mouth to suck on and, you know, kind of mimic that smoking motion, it helps. So I guess that helped. I'm not sure. They say when a person stops smoking, they can become irritable. Yeah, I guess I noticed a little bit of that. However, you know, that's also a side effect of the dementia in some cases. So who knows if it was related to that or not. But I believe we're out of the woods in terms of the withdrawal. The wine, again, there was not much of an addiction there because she didn't drink wine that much. So I would say having stepped down from that was pretty easy and not that not that big of a deal for her but the smoking was something that she asked about she has never asked about um wine if she see me if she sees me drinking a beer she might hey let me a little bit of that let me a little taste and i will you know give her a little sip or whatever but the smoking was the big thing so just as you have that if you have that challenge for yourself and your loved one just try to put yourself in that person's shoes. Don't beat yourself up if you do end up making a decision that's taking it away. But maybe find something else that the person likes, that the person enjoys, that they can get pleasure of, uh, pleasure from. But the two of you can still, of course, get along together if you have to be in the same environment. So that's it today. Smoking. And alcohol use, you're the person now. You're in charge. You're going to be making that decision. Make that decision wisely and empathetically. Thank you for tuning in this week to Dementia in Black and White. I appreciate you stopping in and listening and joining me on this journey. Really just one step at a time. I'm kind of learning as I go. And I'm hoping that we can do this together. Until next time, yes, take care of your loved one. That's very important. But also, don't forget you. Take care of yourself, mental and physical, so that you can be there 
and provide your best care. I'm out. <laughs>